Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from the tech and business world and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today, we have Adrienne Porter-Felt, the Director of Engineering at Google, though she's done a lot of other really impressive, very interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask her much about. Adrienne, I'm so excited to have you. It's great to be here. This is such a pleasure. Are you ready to dive in? I think so. I'm not sure. We'll see. <laughs> Ooh, okay, a little intrigue. I love it. This episode is brought to you by Worklife, the first venture capital firm designed for a new era where work is more creative and anyone can start something, where life is more flexible and not tied to an office, where everyone is a triple threat. Discover the latest tools to design, animate, and ship your own video game or get paid for playing video games. Really, Worklife has backed companies for you to play directly with fans, coach future gamers, and drop your own custom merch store. Sign up for the Worklife newsletter for interviews with creators and updates on new tools for your work life at worklife.vc. I'm going to give our uh, dear listeners some background on your incredible professional accomplishments so we can do a sharp pivot away from them. So Adrian is a director of engineering at Google, where she leads Chrome's data science content ecosystem and iOS teams. Previously, Adrian founded and led Chrome's usable security team. She is best known externally for her work on moving the web to HTTPS, earning her recognition as one of MIT Technology Review's innovators under 35. Adrian holds a PhD from UC Berkeley, and most of her academic publications are on usable security for browsers and mobile operating systems. Adrian, it kind of sounds like you're holding the whole internet together. <laughs> I think that one of the things I've taken away from the past year is that I'm really, really proud of the work I've done on browsers and the importance that work has. I work with some really great people and I'm, I'm really proud to be part of, part of it. Totally. Okay. To kick things off, let me ask you this. Work is done for the day and you close your computer. Then what happens? Usually about three seconds after I close my computer or maybe even two seconds before, there's chaos. Um, my okay. son's very excited <laughs> that mom's off work for the day and I have to look at artwork and usually dog starts barking. Does your son know about what time to expect you to get off of work? Yeah, I, I keep a pretty consistent schedule. So he, okay. knows, he knows 5 p.m. is end of the workday. It's mom time at 5 p.m. Mom time, yep. Love that. You said he's into artwork. Do you display it on the fridge? Do you give a review? Do you give feedback? What's that? <laughs> I learned something recently, which is that when you're looking at a child's artwork, you shouldn't say like, oh, is that a bush? Is that a tree? Instead, you should mm -hmm. say, tell me about it. So that you're oh, not imposing. That. Yeah. So you're not imposing <laughs> your own adult ideas and limitations. Wow. You know, Adrian, I really wish that you could share that with my mom because I often <laughs> tell her ideas for jokes. <laughs> and her response is like, yeah. So is that the joke? Is that the joke? And I'm like, yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> it's really brutal. So I think that's very good advice for parents of all ages with children of all ages as well. I mean, my husband does that to me. I read to him a tweet I wrote and I'm like, people on the internet think that's funny. And he's yeah. like, but, but which part of it is funny? Oh like, where's the, where, where's the joke? And I'm like, <laughs> Never, never mind. <laughs> exactly. I relate to that so much. And that's actually one of the reasons why I was so excited to be able to have you on non-technical is that I'm a big fan of your tweets. Thank you. I'm a fan of yours as well. Oh, why, thank you. A mutual tweet admiration society. We love to see it. I love your jokes. And I saw in your bio, you said that you like writing silly tweets, but that doesn't pay. So you also make Google Chrome, which I think is extremely badass that those are the two options on the table. Have you always been interested in writing? Is writing something you do as a hobby? 
If I had been able to pick my career just based on what I was really passionate about at age 16, I would be living next to a lake, writing science fiction and humor somehow together, possibly, sure. uh, and just reading everything Ursula Le Guin ever wrote. That's kind of my dream second second career. Any particular lake? Well, lakes in California aren't doing so great right now, so no. maybe a different lake, not a California one. <laughs> maybe you could discover a lake somewhere. Have your own uh, Walden Pond moment. Yeah, I think um, I was really disappointed when I found out that Thro's mom was like cooking for him and stuff, and he wasn't really alone in the woods. What? Which was really <laughs> Wait, I'm letdown. sorry. Are you serious? So like, just to be clear, if I want to have my Walden Pond moment, my mom needs to come with me. And then like stay in, in another house, I don't know, a half mile away and do my cooking and stuff. That that's is what, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Wait, does that mean that I'm actually having a Walden Pond moment? <laughs> Maybe. Is there a pond nearby? Are there any trees? Well, I'm in a Florida suburb. There are many a man-made lake. So I think I am having a Walden Pond moment. <laughs> Sounds like you might be. <laughs> that's amazing. Science fiction, is that something that you were always interested in growing up? Or was that a later in life interest? I find science fiction really inspiring because it's a way to think about what the future could be in a way that's maybe freed a little bit from the constraints of where we are today. And that can both be inspiring, but it can also be a way to sort of work through ideas that are in a way cautionary tales of like, oh, this is not where we should go. My favorite genre of science fiction is the short story that kind of explores an idea kind of quickly and just you can find the contradiction or the problem um, that, mm. that was posed by the author. Wow. Do you have a, an example off the top of your head of a short you really love? Maybe the most famous example of this type of genre is uh, the short story that the movie Arrival was based off of. Oh my God. I love that movie. I love it too. I think it's a great, and the short story that it's based off is really fascinating. Totally. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, this is the second episode in a row where Arrival has come up. I think we're due for a rewatch. <laughs> Do you write science fiction yourself? I have been writing some short stories, but I have not attempted to publish them anywhere. So sure. I, you know, I'm a aspiring author, not an actual author. I love that. Can we talk about something that you did write and publish, which I found on the internet, which was a pie recipe? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay, great. Because I really loved it. Uh, you wrote a recipe for pandemic pie. And I wanted to know, first of all, do you do a lot of baking or was this brought on by the pandemic? I started baking at the start of the pandemic. I had never baked yeah. previously. Classic. Iconic even at this point. <laughs> I want to share my favorite line from it, which was or a couple lines, which were step seven is emotionally prepare yourself to make a pie crust. Step eight, realize you currently have the emotional constitution of a small dog, the kind that is always terrified that someone is about to step on it, even though no one has. Give up on the pie crust. <laughs> There's no shame in pre-made pie crusts. <laughs> Absolutely not. And then step nine is this is now a crumble, bitch. <laughs> I think that's perfect. Oh, my God. That's so many aspects of life right now in particular. Uh, have you written any recipes since then? Or was that a were we a one hit wonder on the recipe front? Yeah, I mean, I think I got all my good recipe ideas out in that one particular recipe. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Who knows what this year has in store? I might get some new inspiration from new horrors. Yeah, we might need new year, new pie. You know, everyone else got into sourdough. But I have a, a serious problem, which is that I don't particularly like sourdough bread, which is Oh, my God, you know, it's made me very unstylish. and I'm having a difficulty your your poor Instagram account. Yeah, I mean, it just must have been so bleak nary a single loaf. 
My God. Not even one. That's tough. So I did, however, get a pizza oven shipped to me because of a joke I made on the internet, which was not the highlight of my tweeting career. Oh my God. Wait, what did you tweet that enabled a pizza oven to be descended upon you? I was really, really angry about trying to learn how to make pizza. Okay. First of all, everything that they say on the internet about pizza dough is kind of a lie. Like they make it sound so easy. Like just follow these five steps and then you have pizza at the end. And they failed to mention that you need like flour on every surface, including the insides of your eyelids. Like (laughs) it's gonna, it's gonna be the wrong consistency. Like it's either going to be too sticky or it's anyway, I was really frustrated with the experience of making pizza and the folks at uni were like, do you want us to send you a pizza oven? And I, I mean, I said, yes, because of course. (laughs) That is sick. Have you made any pizza with it? Yeah, I, I managed to make several possible pizzas over the summer. I ate a lot of pizza, actually. Um, it was a pretty fun project. I would, too. That's amazing. And one of the other things you mentioned that you'd been spending some time doing recently is gardening. And I wanted to know what kind of gardening. Are we? Are we just flowers, veggies, fruits? Fruit trees and uh, veggies. I have a pretty big veggie garden in the summer. Also, in this particular year, around February, there were short... Or maybe March, there were some shortages in stores. And I panicked. Yeah. I was like... Oh my God. This is just like my grandmother warned me. Like she told me about victory gardens. Like we're doing that again. I better plant. And then I don't know. I just decided, I guess I ate basil, strawberries, and zucchini. That's what I planted. And I had a lot of it, like unreasonable amounts of it. That sounds great. You could make a lot of stuff with that. Yeah. Like zucchini every day for four months. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get into gardening? Was it just the up around women who loved gardening and I kind of always had gardens in my life and it's something that I appreciate. I think that I get most of my happiness from being outside and gardening is Mm. something where, you know, you can just do in your own small backyard. That is so nice. I haven't gardened since I was very little when we had a big garden and I was expected to do a lot of labor in the garden. So I think (laughs) I've sort of gone in the other direction. But I wanted to ask, do you have a particularly memorable vegetable that you grew that was like gorgeous or perfect? Is there a single zucchini or strawberry that you were like, this really sticks out in my memory? I think that the most delicious flavor in the world is a strawberry that you pick in the minute between your meetings and it's like the temperature of sunshine and you just eat it perfectly fresh. And then you just sit there and then you're a minute late to your meeting because you're sitting there experiencing the strawberry instead of dialing into your meeting. That, that's my favorite strawberry. That's a beautiful strawberry. Also, the temperature of sunshine. Oh, we love poetry. Gorgeous. Because the, the store-bought strawberries, you pull out of the fridge and they're cold. Yeah, and... they're cold. Wow. A strawberry warmed by the sun. Is there something else you want to add to your garden? Do you have a dream garden plot? I don't know. Like a dream section of your garden that you'd like. So I currently have maybe uh, 20 strawberry plants and my friend yesterday was kind of convincing me that I needed to start doing like vertical gardening so I could have <gasps> more strawberries. Yes. And at first I was like, no, that is ridiculous. I probably don't need more strawberry plants, but I've been thinking about it. I bet I could eat more strawberries. So I, I'm taking that on as a challenge. What about your husband and your son? Are they strawberry fans? My son really likes gardening with me. Oh. I've been trying to get him into it. You know, even uh, since he's been about three, he's been able to, you know, he can like dig and he helps me spread malt. Like he helps in the garden. Wow. He sounds so much more helpful than I was. 
garden. <laughs> well, I mean, there are like other days where he pulls the plants out and then I have to go put them back. So, you know, it's, it's <laughs> but it's about the journey, not the destination. Yes, yes, absolutely right. He giveth and he taketh away. <laughs> Next question for you. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? Something inconsequential that you care deeply about. So, you know, I'd like to be able to tell you I'm a very chill person. There are no, there are no small hills, you know, only big, important mountains. My husband can hear me right now. And by his face, I think (laughs) that's a lie. (laughs) Okay. So I don't know if your personality informs your career or your career influences your personality, but after years of being a front end engineer, I developed things need to be centered properly. White space needs to, Mm -hmm. you know, like I have very specific ideas about how things on the computer screen should look. And that has leaked into the rest of my life. And I don't know how to explain this without sounding completely neurotic. Okay. You can explain it however you like. (laughs) I will support you. (laughs) Any level of neuroses uh, are welcome on non-technical. Let's talk about cabinet doors, which I believe cabinet doors and microwave doors should at all times be closed. They should be. That's a fact. That's an objective truth. I think so. Unfortunately, the people I live with don't feel the same. And so... I will leave the kitchen and come back 10 minutes later and both the top and the bottom of the cabinets are all open. And like a reasonable person wouldn't let them just get to them that much. But like me who needs everything to be perfectly centered and put away and organized struggles with this. Sure. What do you do? Do you close them? I close them. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I looked into it. You can't get self-closing cabinets. I I tried. No, you can't. It's not a thing. At least I was unable to make this happen in my home. Oh my God, this needs to be a thing. I can't believe it's not a thing. Maybe other people are more normal and are able to cope with their cabinet doors being open. I mean, maybe. I certainly cannot. I'm kind of befuddled that there is not a solution already in place. I feel like that an area ripe for disruption. (laughs) I, I would buy cabinet hinges from whatever startup solves this problem. Yeah, me too. All right, we gotta get on the horn. Y Combinator, we have the next big idea come through. Do you close them loudly so that people know you're closing them? (laughs) Uh, No, I think I've made my my feelings pretty clear on this at this point. A little extra thump doesn't doesn't really add to it. What about about eye contact? Sometimes when my mom leaves the cabinets open, I'll make eye contact (laughs) with her and close it. I like that. I like that. That's that really goes beyond passive aggressive to just it, aggressive it aggressive. It goes way beyond. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Have you ever been proven really really wrong on something? Uh, I mean, I'm sure many things, but I don't keep a list in my head, sure, uh, which sure. I think is is healthy. So, unfortunately, I, I don't have a, a list. I think that that's very healthy. Whenever I try to answer this question for myself, I also struggle. And I wonder if, is that an everybody thing, you know? Or am I like, if I just repressed every single time I've been really wrong, maybe it's a coping mechanism. A goal for myself as an adult is to be graceful when I'm proven wrong and like Uh, convert to the correct idea. And I don't know if I always accomplish this, right? That's a pretty high goal, like we're all human, but it's what I aim for. Totally. Is there anything your family did growing up that you thought at the time was normal and then later you learned was extremely strange? Well, I think it depends on what normal is. So I I grew up in an immigrant family. My mom and her relatives are from Costa Rica and they have different communication habits or different Mm -hmm. communication style that reflects their country and culture of origin. That's a bit different from what 
I have learned is mainstream mm-hmm. white American culture. Yeah. So for example, the volume that you have conversations at, mm-hmm. whether you just shout at people when you are angry and then like the next day are best friends despite yep. or like whether, you know, if someone tells you to show up at your house at four, does that mean four or does that mean like maybe 10 PM? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I discovered like, you know, in adolescence and college that what I thought was the norm for my family was not like the American typical norm. Mm. And that was an interesting adjustment that I kind of had to go through so that I could like leave my family and go into the, the broader American world. Totally. Is there anything from growing up that you have since brought back now that you have your own family? Oh man, I'm totally becoming my grandmother. It's great. Really? I love it. Like I <laughs> just think early thirties is the perfect time to become my grandma in so many ways. I like bird watching now. Like Nice. I remember being a kid and be like, I can't believe you're making me watch these birds. And I'm like, I got bird watching books. I got binoculars. We got bird feeders. That's awesome. I garden. I grow some, like I grow our own vegetables. Like I am so into being a grandma. It's great. That My is grandma. Great. Yeah. Specific, not just any grandma, <laughs> specifically mine. Have you seen any cool birds? Is there like a, a particular bird that you were excited to see? The Stellar's Jay is a like kind of like a blue jay, but then it's okay. got this awesome mohawk on the top of his head that's bright awesome. blue. And the first time I saw it, I was like, what? We have these birds in California? Like, what? They look like we got... Anyway, I'm very excited about the little blue mohawk. I'm very excited about the little blue mohawk too. That's awesome. If that is what goes into being a grandma, sign me up for that. That sounds great. I have said this now several times in public, but I now own a zip-up robe. <laughs> which is exactly what it sounds like. So I'm, I'm there in a different way. Wait, what's the benefit of the zipper? Because like, I feel like a regular robe, like is even lower commitment than a zip up robe. Oh, I'm committed. I'm not fearful of commitment when it comes to entering the robe. Uh, once I'm in the robe, it zips up from literally my ankles all the way. It's a high collar robe up to my chin (laughs) and it's bright purple. So yeah, it's not a commitment thing. It's just that I like to be fully swaddled. The robe, too loosey-goosey for me. I'm kind of wearing it. I'm kind of not. Zip up robe. You're in that thing all day. That's good. I'm glad you're staying warm through the vicious Florida winters. Yeah, it can be very cold down here. It got down to 59 or something and I was it was very chilly. I've become soft, actually. I used to be able to withstand much more chilly temperatures. I'm from Connecticut and New York and then I went to California for four years. Oh no, I'm different now. I recently was wearing a jacket that I purchased from a website that labeled it as a Chicago quality jacket. And I wore it yesterday for a walk around the block and I looked and it was 52 degrees and I was wearing like a two layer puffy jacket. And I felt like this is good. This is a good amount of jacket to be wearing a 52 degree weather. I'm on board. I support you. I used to think those people were nuts. Honestly, in Florida, especially I would see people with like parkas on and I would think... Look at them. And now I'm like, uh, where'd you get that? <laughs> That's great. Check out my robe. I had self-respect before this year, but this yeah. year has really freed me from that constraint. Yeah. And I just wear like, no one's going to see me. I'll just, I could go on a podcast and tell everyone about it. I mean, sure. <laughs> but I know, other than right? that, I'm no like, one knows. Who cares? <laughs> Nobody's going to know. And then I talk about it constantly, publicly and a lot to a lot of people. <laughs> I'm actually a little disappointed you're not wearing your purple zip up. I was wearing it until about 15 minutes before we started. If you want the truth, I took it off because I was like, I've never met Adrian. Let's maybe make a good first impression, Alexis. Maybe wear a normal top. Good times in my zip up robe. Speaking of 
tremendously fashionable apparel. Is there a fad or, you know, some sort of fashion moment, workout, cultural fad that you look back on participating in that now makes you a little cringy? Well, okay. When I was in middle school, I was really into the Backstreet Boys. Sure. Now, I've come to learn that the normal middle school girl thing to do in this situation is to like get a poster of Nick Carter or whoever today's Nick Carter is, BTS, whatever, and like admire how handsome he is. Instead, I took it a step further and just dressed like a member of the Backstreet Boys and learned their songs and performed them with my friends. So I went like beyond like, oh, wow, they're so cute to like, I will be them. Nice. And it led to some really solid fashion choices at age 12. Okay. So your friends, they were also down with this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because you know, you need five of you. You needed five of them. You can't do it alone. Did you perform the dances at school? Oh yes. On stage. On stage. I'm sure that like I am benefiting from my generation, not with everyone having iPhones in my middle school, because I do not think there's a recording. What was the occasion? Do you need an occasion? (laughs) (laughs) Tuesday. (laughs) That is amazing. Did you ever see them in concert? (laughs) Oh no, this is okay. So like we just pivoted from cute stories about childhood to embarrassing stories from two summers ago. Um, yes, I saw, I saw them in Vegas recently. Two summers ago, yes. <laughs> Tell me you dress like them for the concert. <laughs> no, I did. Oh my god, it was. It was actually. It was a pretty good show. Um, it honestly was more fun than I expected. I'm mostly just wanted an excuse to go to Vegas with my friends. And yes, of course, it was a pretty fun show. The thing though was they clearly know who their audience is. They're like, put your hands up if you're a mom. And I'm like, Oh, Oh no. Oh, this is embarrassing. (laughs) Oh my God. But they're right. Are they not? I know they're right. But it's embarrassing. (laughs) Did you go with friends from school or did you go with friends from now? Uh, friends I've, I've met later in life. That's nice. You found others that were, that you were able to connect. (laughs) I mean, it does, it doesn't actually take that much convincing to convince people to go to Vegas. And then if you like throw in like, Oh yeah, just so you know, I'm going to make it go to this show. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, we're, we're seeing a live performance on Thursday. (laughs) It, it is the Backstreet Boys. Okay. All right. Let's go to Vegas. That's amazing. Did you do other dance groups, other performances, school plays, any of that stuff? No, my dance career was mostly limited to a, I think when I was four years old, a single ballet dance performance followed by my mm. encore as a Backstreet Boy. Got it. So we would say like a long tenured career punctuated by the highlights. Yes, exactly. Yeah, perfect. Amazing. Were you ever known as something either in school or at work or later in life, like known as the something girl? I was definitely like the theater girl. You know, I hope the answer is no, because I'm not aware of it. And so, you know, Uh like if there is a thing, it's probably Mm. bad. In some ways, it's better to know that there was one because I know, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I I do think, though, uh, one thing that started getting a little embarrassing at some point in my life was when I would go to parties in San Francisco being what they are. And people like, oh, I know you from Twitter. And I'm like, maybe I'm maybe I'm the Twitter girl. I don't know if that's what I want to be, but. I support you. I think that's great, especially because your tweets are good and they're funny. Thank you. Sometimes. I think so. I like them. That's definitely interesting. You said party and I was like, oh my God, right. Parties. Yeah, we did that. I remember. Yeah, it was really gross. We all put our faces near each other and like so close. (laughs) shared glasses. (laughs) 
Oh, someday I aspire to drink an expensive wine out of a solo cup again, Adrian. I really do. That's just really right what I'm looking for. Good 2022. 2022. Don't break my heart like that. Just going to do some Zen deep breathing. We're good. We're good. Everything is fine. Let me ask you this. Who would play you in a movie about your life? I'll be honest. Based on the fact that I frequently mistake random Instagram ads for myself. I think any like slightly brown woman with bangs could, could, could play me to be honest. And I'd be like, yeah, that works. Any Instagram ads for anything in particular? Oh, um, I don't know. Maybe just Instagram targeting has gotten really good, but I keep seeing um, Instagram ads for women whose hair is cut very similarly to mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a little dash of freckles. Uh, and yeah. I'm like, hmm, I'll buy what she's wearing because yeah, she totally. looks like me. It's working. Oh my God. That's such a scary thought. Is that why so many of my ads are like these brunette women and wearing athleisure? Are they wearing zip up robes while selling you something else? Because if so, yes, I think Instagram's on to you. Honestly, thank God the Instagram algorithm doesn't know about my shameful secret because I could not withstand the shame of being targeted additional zip up robe paraphernalia. I am thrilled that they think I live a luxurious cashmere sweater work from home lifestyle. They're always recommending me beige apparel. They're like, Alexis would love this slouchy pant. And I'm like, yeah, right. But thank you so much for thinking that I would. Um, I've convinced Instagram that I am planning to buy glasses. One time they showed me an ad for women wearing glasses and I was like, wow, glasses would be so glamorous on Zoom or Google Hangouts. And the problem is I don't wear glasses. So I just keep clicking on them and being like, if only I wore glasses. I do wear glasses, but I wear contacts most of the time. So I have thought about getting into the blue blocker game because some of them just look so cute. Wait, but if you have context, you have the perfect opportunity to get, you could really get some statement glasses there and just have it be your thing. Like I'm the woman with the crazy red cat. I got like, it could be your thing. That's a great idea. I will say one barrier to me and my future fame as a woman with statement eyeglasses is that I have a very small forehead. I mean, I I don't have any for it. I cover them with bangs. I could never do bangs. I'm so jealous. Bangs are so cute. Bangs are what people with too much forehead do. So that's the thing, though. If you have a lot of forehead, you can get bangs. If you have no forehead, what do you do? I'm just out here living my day to day life with no forehead. And there's nothing I can do about that. So bangs are sort of actually part of my personal growth journey. Uh, My mom is very conservative. Um, For example, I was not allowed to wear hoop earrings as a teenager, even though they were a very big trend. I wasn't allowed to do the two pieces of hair along the side of the face. Nope, none of that. No. And so as I was facing 30, I was like, I'm going to do something my mom told me I couldn't do. And I like went through a list and I discovered I actually didn't want to do most of them. Sure. But but bangs were on that list. And in fact, I called my mom and I told her, I was like, mom, I'm getting bangs. (gasps) And uh, she was mad at me. She actually, she was, she was. And I, I got bangs anyway. And even though she may have been right about the fact, I mean, she didn't know there was going to be a global pandemic a few years later yeah. that was going to make it extremely difficult to keep my bangs cut. Yeah. I refuse to give it up because I'm like, this is, you know, like I've grown wings. I've left from the nest. <laughs> yes. Wow. Congrats on that huge, bold move at the age of 30, getting bangs, defying, yep, defying yep. your mom's wishes. I relate. I now proudly tell my mom that I plan to get a tattoo at some point and she's trying not to act upset. Because she knows that if she acts upset, it will make me want to do it more. I I like that because you're getting all the credit for the rebellion without actually having to do the thing. That's That's a good move. 
Yeah, thank you. I thought so too, because I'm not getting a tattoo right now. But I, you know, I was like, I just told her, I said, well, just so you know, I've decided to get a tattoo. <laughs> Did you follow the no bangs, no hoops, no no curly Q nineties look? Yeah, I was. Um, you know, like I'm the the oldest kid who was trying to like do what my mom said. Totally. Oh, so we decided that who would play you in a movie about your life would be like any of the myriad women featured on these Instagram ads. Anyone famous come to mind? Or we're just going to pluck. I mean, hey, this could be a big career opportunity for one of those women. They're doing Instagram ads. And then <laughs> suddenly one day they get a call out of the blue. We're like, we have a huge biopic for you. Get ready. The life and times of Adrian Porterfeld. Well, I don't know what we would call it. One of the challenges of being mixed race is that like there aren't actually a lot of actors who actually look like me. Which, you know, I think some people you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, I could actually see like 15 different white guys playing you. But yeah, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe like if they could get Natalie Portman to look more like a computer scientist and less like an actress somehow. Like, I don't know what that would involve doing in her face. I think she'd be down. I believe that Natalie Portman would be like stoked to get into the role. She'd probably want to go work at Google for a little bit herself. Yeah, she probably could too, because, you know, there are some people where I make myself feel better. Like, oh, sure, this person was a famous whatever, but at least they can't do what I do. Oh, and then Natalie and then- Portman, like, <laughs> she's like a published scientist. Went like, to Harvard, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she can do what I do better and be an actress. <laughs> oh, God, she is really amazing. That's a great one. I think she should play you. I think she would be honored for the opportunity, and she should be. That'd be terrific. Oh, Rashida Jones. Oh, Rashida Jones. That would, she'd be great. I'll, I'll, I'll call her agent. Yeah. Just give Rashida a call. Let me know how it goes. She would be so good. I love her. Okay. So we've got options. I don't want to count out the Instagram ad girls because I do really feel that it could be a big break for one of them. Yeah. I would like to help give them that opportunity. Yeah. Always lifting people up. (laughs) (laughs) Adrian, what makes you laugh? I generally like satire and parody. Hmm. That that's kind of my jam. McSweeney's. Yeah. I generally find very funny. They're great. Yeah. I read their um, take on the Sex and the City reboot this morning and it, it was a good start to my day. Okay. I'm going to have to check that out. Do you ever follow the reductress headlines? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Nothing reads me to filth more than the reductress headlines. <laughs> Oh, I really like them. Yeah, satire is fantastic. That's kind of the vibe I got too from Pandemic Pie. That could totally be like on McSweeney's or something like that. Um, yeah, that, that that's my jam. Love it. Okay, so one of the things that I asked you in my email was when is your birthday? And you let me know that you are a Scorpio. And my first question for you is, are you into astrology? Is this a big part of your life? I am not into astrology. I was thinking about this a little bit. You know, I think it's quite... It seems silly, but then I gave it a little more thought and I was like, okay, but like being honest, if you laid out a bunch of animals in front of me and were like, which one speaks to you? Like, which one seems like you? I do think that like the tiny little creature that's got, you know, kind of a feisty sting might actually be a good fit. So maybe there's something to it. The scorpion is of course the sign of Scorpio. Cool. I looked up what a Scorpio is because I'm not super well-versed in astrology. My interest comes from what other people believe in and what guides sort of their day to day. But one of the things that it says about Scorpios are that they are passionate, independent, and unafraid to blaze their own trail, no matter what others think. Does that feel like a resonant Scorpio statement? I think that speaks to me. Yeah. 
do I hear people talking about Scorpio season? Is that a thing that people talk about? Are they like, oh, it's Scorpio season? I don't know, but I do know that in Arizona, they do have a literal scorpion season. Someone okay. was just telling me about, so. What um, happens then? Is that just when all the scorpions are out? They like hibernate and then like in your walls or whatever. And then one at the end of the in winter or whatever. Walls? Sometimes, I don't know. I'm very scared of Arizona after this conversation. <gasps> but then like, you know, like you like in other places you can get rats or cockroaches. Like there you can like get scorpions. And then That's worse. Scorpions they come worse. out in the spring and then like you just have a scorpion problem. Anyway. I think those people are very badass because any place that has a scorpion season, I find concerning. I'm concerned. I'm highly concerned. I can handle mice. I can kind of handle cockroaches, but not really. Scorpions are like very scary to me because aren't they are poisonous, right? I don't think it'd be fun to get stung by them. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm never going to Arizona. So that's something that we all learned today, which is important to know. It's good. You know, non-technical, always pushing the boundaries, always teaching, educating. And today we learned that Alexa is never going to Arizona. But you do live in a place with alligators. You know what? That's a great point. I'd see them all the time, by the way. This is not an infrequent occurrence. They're just out and about in these little man-made suburban ponds, chilling. Very normal. Very normal. Once, this was years ago, I was on the tennis court here. And an alligator just came out of the water and was just chilling on the lawn. And I was like, excuse me, where, what is this? Also, there's a putt-putt mini golf that features a whole pile of baby alligators, which I think is absurd. That's peak Florida, a full putt-putt with a pile of baby alligators. I'm curious about how they got the baby alligators. But anyway, maybe, maybe I can do some research on Wikipedia later. I can't imagine that it was good, but they exist there now. Okay, do you meditate? <laughs> I try to meditate. I think someday I would like to take a video of what meditating with a young child looks like. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a very Silicon Valley thing to talk about how you meditate and you're yeah. like, yeah. Anyway, when I try to meditate, like someone climbs into my lap and pulls my hair Aww. and maybe climbs on my head. You join a long line of guests on this podcast who don't meditate. No one has said yes. <laughs> That's great. You, you have a type. <laughs> yeah. No one has said yes to this question. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the idea of meditating. And so I think that if we could rewind, I would like to pretend to be a person who meditates because I have a lot of respect sure. for the idea of people who meditate. So we'll just go with that. Let's pretend great. I meditate. Nice. I'll just cut out everything before that. And <laughs> right up until you say that you meditate. <laughs> Perfect. Well, you know, something that I've heard a lot from a lot of friends and family and other people I've talked to about meditation is that they do other activities that feel very meditative. My mom takes long walks. Other people have said running and things like that. And so I wonder if gardening kind of scratches that itch a little bit. For me, it's swimming. Um, oh, swimming. Yeah. So for about half the year, I really like to swim and lap swimming is, oh my God, it just, it clears my mind. It's great. Wow. That, where do you lap swim? Well, there's a public pool about three blocks from my house and it's great. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. You could not swim laps in the little pools here in Florida or you could, but it would be, you'd be done very quickly. Adrian. Okay. Do you believe in ghosts? I um, don't actually believe in ghosts, but I would love to live in a house that's haunted. Like mm-hmm. I love old houses and I like that they have stories and kind of their okay. own personality. I live in a old house that I remodeled. And you know, I, I think it'd be really cool to live in a haunted house. So I would love to be proved wrong about the existence of ghosts. And I'm hoping one will uh, find me. When you say you'd want to live in a haunted house, do you want 
like spooky things to happen? Do you want to uncover a great mystery? Do you want to like push on a wall and then you find out it's not a wall and there's like a room behind it? I guess I'm describing Sherlock Holmes now. (laughs) So, so look, like most ghost stories cover, you know, the really like out there ghosts who are trying to murder you or whatever. But I figure it's like Grey's Anatomy, like Grey's Anatomy shows you a very exaggerated view of the medical field. Most Mm -hmm. doctors are not like constantly getting in airplane crashes and I don't know, all the crazy things they do. You know, so I imagine most real ghosts would just be kind of chill. They'd be like, hey, how's it going? I used to live here. We don't see those ghost stories represented in our traditional media. Yeah, those stories just aren't told. And I I really hope that I can uh, discover one of these. Wow. You could really shepherd some of those stories out. And that could be a great part of your the the movie about your life that we're going to make with the girl from Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now who's gonna play the ghost that's real you know what we'll give it to natalie natalie she's up to the task <laughs> okay we're gonna take a quick break and then i'll be right back with adrian this episode is still brought to you by Worklife, the first venture capital firm designed for a new era where work is more creative and anyone can start something where life is more flexible and not tied to an office where everyone is a triple threat Discover the latest design tools and new ways to launch your own empire, whether it's a podcast, course, or video game. Worklife has backed tools for you, yes, you, to build and finance your business. Worklife has backed companies like Webflow, Rive for real-time animation, and Q for real-time feedback on video, audio, images, and more. Sign up for the Worklife newsletter for interviews with creators and updates on new tools for your work life at worklife.vc. Okay, Adrian, we've come to a very exciting time in the non-technical podcast recording session, which is the lightning round. Are you ready? I think so. Let's do it. Okay. I feel like I know the answer to this one, but iOS or Android? Both. Ooh. (gasps) Ooh. Oh my God. Fascinating. Wow. Never heard that before. What does your husband have? Uh, He has an Android phone. Android. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm always curious about what I refer to as intertextual relationships where like one person uses an iPhone and one person uses an Android. I feel like that's a lot of barriers. I feel like I need to use both, you know, just to be familiar with both for my my job, but also because uh, my, my teams build Chrome for both. And so I need to use both. Occupational hazard. Wow. That's very cool. I learned. Okay. Do you have a favorite board game? No, I don't really play board games. No board games at all? I get a little too competitive and I think it's safest to not play board games if I want to continue having friends. That is so noble of you. I don't know that I get too competitive, but I definitely get competitive. And at no point have I ever thought of stopping. Not even (laughs) one time. I'm like, all right, let's get Monopoly going. Who has seven hours? Okay. Have you ever read a book twice? And if so, which book? A Farewell to Arms. I read that one perhaps the most of any book, but I also really like Pride and Prejudice. It's Mm. really funny. That book delights me. I'm so glad. Do you have a pump up song? Not really. No, no song. No, like you're going to write a bunch of really great code today. Got to throw on a great song. Okay, God, I have an embarrassing one, but fine, I'll tell, so yeah. fine, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay. Um, my son loves this La Bamba. Like, yeah, you know, anyway, and he loves the song so much that I have started to love it. Like we played this song like 15 times. I love it so much. It's so high That's energy. so cute. Oh my God. I love that. That's not embarrassing. That is precious. That's a great pump up song. Really gets the people going. The people like me, my four-year-old and yep. you know, my grandma crowd. <laughs> yes, it precisely. 
Okay. My final question for you is what would you title your memoir? I don't really know if I've lived enough years to have a memoir yet. Mm. I hope something really, really exciting happens to me in the next 60 years. And then I'll be able to come up with a title based on that. Okay. I'm hoping for that too. But I think that I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you've already done that would be super fascinating. Talk about the cabinets, closing the cabinets, gardening. There's a lot in there. Yeah. My thoughts on toaster ovens. Your thoughts on toaster ovens. I feel like maybe there's something in there with like gardening. It could be like planting the seed. You know, that would be the title of a <laughs> I think I think I would have to be better at gardening before I could title my memoir based on it. So maybe, maybe I'll work on that. <laughs> okay, that sounds great. Oh my gosh, Adrian, this has been such a pleasure. I'm so glad that we were able to connect and chat. Thanks for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. You're so welcome. Okay, listeners, if you like today's show, go ahead and come on down to iTunes, pop a five-star review on there. I have a little request, which is if you could throw me a little text speak, a little corp lingo. I might read your review on the next episode. And if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at yayalexisgay or at nontechnicalpod. And Adrian, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, I'm APF surrounded by two underscores. There you go. APF surrounded by two underscores. Okay, Adrian, I hope you have an absolutely fabulous week, month, year. Thank you again for joining us. And everybody else, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Oh, yay. I have a review to read. This is from Daniel LJA. Five stars. Never have I been so engaged by a pod. Alexis is a bundle of joy. I will forever let infiltrate my earbuds. For an hour, I can finally believe that tech people aren't just cyborgs masquerading as detectives of automation. Alexis is like Geppetto, making them real people. I can't even, I just can't. Thanks, Daniel. And if you want to hear me read your review on the next episode, go ahead and leave me a review on iTunes. Give me a little tech lingo, a little corpse speak, and maybe you'll hear it on the pod. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you soon.